Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're officially one day away from 49ers preseason action. Week two against the Denver Broncos. And it's the first game at Levi Stadium in a while. Should be a fun one. And I've got here Larry Kruger with me to break it all down. We're back after this. Welcome back to the channel, everybody. It's been a fun week, and now we've got some preseason action coming up tomorrow but before that I have to give an introduction to the one and only larry krueger larry how you doing my man rohan man doing great great to be here and glad to have you on again um you know it's been a an interesting offseason nonetheless we've had a lot of quarterback talk that's just par for the course with the san francisco 49ers but there's also a lot of other storylines that have gone on um with this team and now you know as we get into the breadth of the preseason excited to hear what you have to say on the overall portion of the offseason and kind of what we have to look forward to going forward yeah there's no shortage of topics that's for sure yeah before we get to the main topic which is week two wanted to ask you just quickly what were some takeaways that you had of week one of the preseason you know things that were just on your mind as you headed into this week of practices well um I mean, you know, the Niners got knocked around. 49er fans are not used to seeing that. Um, but I would say that, you know, before people lose their mind, you just remember that, you know, the 49ers, um, you know, they don't have a lot of depth on either side of the line of scrimmage. And it's a big deal on defense because those guys play. On offense, it's only a big deal if you have injuries. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, I kind of like the 49ers first team offensive line, Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, Colton McKivitz, but we didn't see any of them. Um, and so I think there was a, you know, a lot of people came out of that game like, oh, the Niners have major O line problems. Well, yeah, they have major O line problems if they, if all five of their starters go down. Um, uh, but show me a team in the league that doesn't. So, right. you know, I mean, there was that then, um, you know, I thought Sam Darnold looked really good um, in a very short amount of time. I wanted to see him out there more, uh, but they took him off the field. Um, and then there was just like, you know, guys that 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 kind of shined individually. And I, to me, I don't care about the results of preseason. I just care about coming off the field healthy. They did that. And having a number of guys kind of flash and show you that they can contribute. And Jalen Graham, D. Winters, um, there were a number of guys really um, across the board who that flashed. Jair Brown, um, there were some good things. There was definitely some good things that uh, that came out in that game. Uh, Quantrez Knight, I thought played pretty well. 
Um, so there were, you know, Ronnie Bell. Uh, there were there were some guys who showed showed some bright spots. So to me, it's more about the you know you what you really care about is is injuries. You didn't they didn't suffer a bunch of injuries, and that's really the primary. Right, and I mean again, sometimes for fans, it's hard to take away good things when you lose 34 to seven in any game, regardless of if preseason, regular season, but there was some good that came out of it. As to your first point on the offensive line and the defensive line, I agree the offensive line, right? If you look around the league, it's not just the 49ers. There is a scarcity at the entirety of the position. It's tough to see it. First of all, it's tough to roster five real solid offensive linemen from left to right add on depth. And it's tough, especially given the, uh, you know, uh, given the way that you normally have a salary cap where you can't allot as much money to the backups, it's tough to allot a certain amount of money to where you can have a true competent offensive line with their backups, especially when you have a team like the 49ers that is top heavy and has a ton of, you know, strong uh, players at the top of their roster. And yeah. that obviously they get a lot of money out of that. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, you know, if, if you had had, what, three-fifths of your offensive line, you could sit there and go, well, they weren't all in there. But, no, in this case, none of them played. Right. And, you know, Matt Pryor I don't think is all that great. Keith Ishmael I don't think is all that great. Uh, Nick Sakel struggled badly. I thought Jalen Moore struggled. Um, you know, I think, I mean, they're going to – they could have offensive line issues if they have two or three key injuries this year. Um, but I think you could probably say that for a lot of teams in the, in the sport, but you know, if there's one thing that, that jumped out, it's that even though they've got some, you know, a number of offensive linemen in this camp, when you really look closely, I, I say that they really only have seven good offensive linemen and they're probably going to have to trade for that eighth. Um, and I, you know, like if, if, if camp broke today and they were cutting the thing down to, to 53, I would make John Feliciano and Il Manning my two backup offensive linemen, and then I think I would wind up trading something, um, probably a 2024 pick for a swing tackle or signing one or picking one up if somebody cut one loose that I liked. But they just worked out three guys the other day. I expect there'll be you know, five or six more candidates that they look at between now and the cut down, and they may have, you know – they may make a deal. They may, you know, grab somebody. They get cut by another team. If you said to me, "Is the Niners swing tackle in there on their roster now or on somebody else's roster?" I would say somebody else's roster. And that is a great point because coming into this offseason, what I wanted to see in training camp, a lot of people said Colton Lekivitz. I think we might have a problem there. In my honest opinion, I thought the biggest issue on this team overall was not the starting right tackle. It was the swing tackle position because San Francisco didn't allot much, many resources into that, into trying to find, you know, a solid option once Brunskill left, once you, once McKivitt's obviously upgraded from your swing tackle to your starter, you didn't really allot many resources. Matt Pryor, I personally was not a fan of what I saw during camp and during the preseason. Um, you know, you have Jalen Moore who has struggled to play a tackle, seems at least he projected better as a guard coming out of college. In my opinion, when I watched his film, just never got that opportunity based on other injuries or uh, however the 49ers roster ended up coming out. And then you've got Leroy Watson, who's a developmental, uh, you know, talent there. You could see something there, but it might take some time. And I don't know if the 49ers are willing to, you know, risk potentially having him play this season 
it, it just because he's there, you know, he 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 could be a good developmental piece going forward. El Manning, though, is an interesting candidate. Uh, candidate. The one thing about him, though, is does he slot in at tackle given his size and his arm length of 32 inches? Probably suits better for a guard. That brings up the question of do the 49ers go for a swing tackle elsewhere? And if so, why didn't they potentially choose to do so a little earlier and try and, you know, have that guy in the building, have that guy learn the offense type of thing? And so that might be one of my one, uh, you know, critiques of the 49ers this offseason, specifically with their handling of that position. I think it's fair. I think that's a fair critique. I mean, Daywan Jones was there. I mean, he's clearly a much better option than the guys they currently have. What I see is that prior to me looks a little heavy footed and a little out of shape. Um, Jalen Moore lacks the urgency to play tackle and to be out on the island against great, great rushers. Leroy Watson's world's better than what it, where he was, but he's nowhere near good enough. Gutierrez is not NFL, um, not as a starting tackle. So Il Manning really does look good. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be afraid to put Il Manning out there at left tackle. He's got a quick kick step. He's got quick feet, plays with a strong base. You're right, though. He's got 32-inch arms, which means, you know, that changes the the geometry, you know, you, you for these edge rushers, the arm length is crucial. Um, so I like Ilm because he can play left tackle, but I don't like him as the backup left tackle. The team that I've been mentioning to a number of people that I I'd be on the lookout for at the cutdown, you know, and this is you know who knows I haven't canvassed the entire league or anything, um, and I don't want to make people think that I have. But if you look at Cincinnati, Cincinnati's got big Zeus Brown who they signed from Kansas City. He's at left tackle. And they moved Jonah Williams from left tackle to right tackle. They also have Jackson Carmen, who was a second round pick out of Clemson in their tackle in their tackle room. And then they also have Akeem Adenogy, um, who's a who's a you know huge uh, offensive lineman who they like. And then they also have Lael Collins, who's on the PUP list. And right. Lael Collins, you know, once upon a time was a very good player at LSU. I also really like Deontay Smith. Who was a fourth round pick in in the twenty twenty one draft? He's six five, three ten. He's got he's got the build of an offensive tackle. To me, I'd like to have those, one of those two guys. I'd like to have Deontay Smith or Lael Collins, and I'd be even be willing to move a day three a day uh, you know a, a day three pick in twenty twenty four if I could get Cincinnati to part with those guys before the cutdown. And I mean, there are a couple of options there. And again, you're looking at the teams where you might have a little more depth compared to others. The guy who I had been really highlighting throughout the entirety of the offseason up until three weeks ago when he signed was George Fant. Not necessarily the best player overall, but in terms of swing tackle, the reason that I thought I gravitated more towards him than other options, one, he played for the New York Jets, has experience in that offensive system that Mike Lafleur ran for the last few years over there in New York. He's also going to Houston, which is the same offensive system that Kyle Shanahan ran when he signed three weeks ago. I think the upgrade in terms of knowledge of the system, which for the 49ers, Chris Forster and that offensive line unit appeared to be pretty important. The $3 million investment that Fant um, got from the Houston Texans, I thought, you know, that that could be um, somewhere the 49ers could go. Obviously, they didn't. They've worked out a couple of guys. Ty Nasiki uh, was one of them, obviously a former Dallas Cowboys tackle there. There's there's a couple of options on the market, but I 
like like I said earlier, think that this is a position that I felt they could have pounced on a little earlier in the offseason at not that big of a risk, especially considering they still have good amount of cap space left. You know, don't uh, the other guy that I kind of like that, you know, um, I think has got a lot of potential, but he hasn't come of age is Mackay Becton in, in New York with the Jets, who was right. their first round pick in 2020. And he's had some knee injuries. Um, but man, Becton's a house. I mean, he is just an absolute monster. He's six, seven, like 365 pounds. He's, you know, he's got nice feet. Um, he's the kind of, you know, high end player that I would have interest in if his knee checked out. I mean, that would be an interesting guy. One other guy that I'll point out that played in Houston last year, um, a, a younger player. Don't know if he'd be the perfect fit, but Forster does seem to do well with, uh, you know, uh, developing players, at least over a period of time. Um, George Little, the 25 year old offensive tackle, played for the Texans last year. Um, I believe, or sorry, not George Little, Greg Little, originally. Of um, he's played, I believe, in Miami. He's played uh, with Carolina. That's where he was drafted. He could be a potential intriguing developmental guy. Although the 49ers might look for a guy who they know is proven, understanding where they are with their tackle situation with the swing tackles. Don't sleep on Tom Compton either. I think Compton's still out there. Yeah. You could probably go get him. I mean, he started, uh, you know, playoff games for the Niners in the past. It's not an ideal guy by any stretch, but um, could be better than what they have. No, definitely. Let's flip it over, though. We talked about offensive line. Not as worried, just given that depth overall in the NFL is scarce. Defensive line, though, on the other hand, the 49ers have normally been pretty strong with their depth at that unit. Did it surprise you that that unit struggled a little bit, apart from certain players? Cleveland Farrell, I thought, played well. Austin Bryan, I thought, played well. Did it, uh, you know, did it concern you that the depth might not be as strong as fans might have perceived uh, coming into this offseason? Well, there's no question. And all, I, what I really didn't like more than anything was just how the Raiders ran it in the A-gap all day and all night against Javon Kinlaw and Kevin Givens and T.Y. McGill and Marlon Davidson. I mean, they, they, you know, you think back the last few years, the Niners, whether it was D.J. Jones, Contavious Street, they've always had some big bodies in the middle that could, could you know, stop the run. Um, I'm concerned about that. You know, if you can't stop the run at the point, it's it, that's all you get. And um, you know, Kinlaw is cannot be trusted. Givens is a one-gap penetrator, pass rusher. I think the same thing can be said for Kalia Davis. McGill is doesn't really have the heft. Uh, Mar Marlon Davidson is a one-gap penetrating pass rusher. Wagey's a little underpowered. I mean, they just don't have that guy. So. Yeah, I would. I'd love to see them have, um, you know, somebody on that interior outside of Armstead, who could play the run in the A gap. Um, and I'm not seeing it right now. I agree, and I think that this is another concern for me with the 49ers, and one that I didn't really expect to say going into this offseason. But to me, it seems the 49ers have too many similar players at defensive tackle. I don't mean similar players by build. You obviously have a uh, you know athletic freak in Javon Kinlaw. You've got different guys, but they they it seems like they've you know materialized on this somewhat undersized defensive tackle that has great athleticism that matches well in the pass rushing game. Whereas that that's great, but you also sacrifice a little bit in the run game. And I think with the way the 49ers like to rotate, that might hurt them. For me, 
going into this offseason, I wanted some three-down defensive linemen because last year I thought that that's what hurt the 49ers at times, having especially on the interior. And I think Javon Hargrave is a great signing for that. He's had a wonderful camp, especially as a pass rusher. But if you look at his tape overall, it's not like he's the strongest run defender either. He's he's an average or so run defender and an elite pass rusher to match with that. Armstead's on a different level. He's a great he's a great run defender and a solid pass rusher as well. But to me, it seems like the 49ers have gone through and gotten some of these guys who can really uh, you know, rush the passer, they feel can rush the passer and sacrifice a little bit on the other side with some of these undersized guys. And then potentially a Kinlaw who they might've expected to step up a bit in a fully healthy season. Hasn't necessarily done that, at least in the limited reps we've seen so far. I mean, they, they haven't replaced DJ Jones, you know, I mean, DJ yeah. Jones says, you know, losing him, you know, I'm not saying they should have paid him, but they, he was a very stout run defender. You couldn't uproot him out of there. Um, and they miss they miss him now. Pass rush is at such a premium in today's NFL that they probably will be able to find somebody who's got you know strength at the point of attack to help them against the run uh, that will be in the involved in a in, in a cutdown situation. But I'm going to be really interested to see how they pare this thing down. I mean. Um, you know, obviously you got Bosa and Drake and Armstead and Hargrave. You got Cleveland Farrell. Okay, that's five. Givens is six. Um, maybe Kerry Hyder, that's seven. You got Beal, that's eight. You know, after that, it's like, you know, is Taco Charlton make it? Maybe that's nine. Marlon Davidson, maybe that's ten. I don't know. It's just they're, they haven't it's even a lot of names. Any, yeah. I mean, there's, I'm just saying that like, and then, you know, like Breland speaks to me, doesn't look like he's in great shape. I see Spencer Wiggy on the ground too much. Austin Bryant seems not very stout against the run. Kalia Davis, uh, has got a knee problem. Um, Barrett's been on the practice squad the last couple of years. So, I mean, there's just like issues with all these guys. Um, but I think you're going to see some new faces, to be honest. I think you both at defensive end and they may even bring in a defensive tackle, at the cutdown, I mean, there was talk that Dallas may, you know, cut Neville Gallimore. I'd have a lot of interest there. Dallas also has a ton of defensive ends. Uh, they can't keep them all. Uh, Dante Fowler could wind up cut. Tyrus Wheat, Junior Fajoko, um, all those guys would be of interest to me. And one other thing, it's obviously premature, but I feel like this is going to be the year of the reload at the trade deadline. The 49ers have obviously uh, gotten some of the riches of their group from the trade deadline. Jordan Willis in 2020, um, Charles O'Menohue in 2021 for late round picks. Now that that kind of group has departed, you're now you know incorporating new guys and trying to weather the storm in this way. I think that that's going to definitely be on their mind, especially if this group kind of continues in a similar fashion with the way that we've seen so far. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. But offensive line, defensive line, we talked about that. Let's go overall. Because Larry, if the, for those of you that don't know, Larry was a huge guy for Brock Purdy last year. And I'll be honest, I was not in training camp. I didn't, uh, I, I, I was not as high on Brock Purdy. I thought that, you know, the things that you could see on, on his college film were there, but I also thought he'd require some good development as a quarterback in the NFL. Larry saw it early. Obviously, we've seen how Brock Purdy is. Who are some of your standouts, though, this year that you've kind of, you know, that have piqued your interest that you think could make an impact that others might not see? 
Well, I don't know. You know, it's hard to know what other people are seeing, but I'll just give you a few that I like that, uh, you know, are not necessarily first, second round guys. I mean, the Niners didn't even have a first or second round pick, but Ronnie Bell, you know, out of Michigan, I think is is really impressive to me. His dad is a college special uh, wide receiver coach, and you can kind of see it in his new in in his um, you know just how advanced he is. Most rookie receivers, you know, gather to break you know into their breaks, and they waste steps, and there's wasted movement. This guy doesn't have wasted movement. He catches the ball with his hands. He doesn't body catch it. Um, he's 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 just got a lot of. A lot of things that I really, really like, and a lot he's a very veteran like player, despite the fact he's a rookie. So I expect him to play really, really well. I really like Il Manning, you know, the offensive lineman. We've kind of already discussed him a little bit. Um, you know, there's a number of guys I really like across the board, but you know, on 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 uh, the defensive side of the ball in the secondary, Deshaun Jameson is a player that I guaranteed yeah. a month ago was going to make the team. Um, I think he's a dynamic two-way player. I mean, I, I said it at the time that I think he can, he's a good he's a good cover guy. He knows how to play. You, you know, they've played him a little bit at the slot, a little bit outside, but I, he's also a dynamic return guy. And um, and you you saw that last week against the Raiders. And then as far as a guy that nobody's talking about that I think has a real shot to make the roster, I like Taylor Hawkins, number forty-one on defense. Yeah. Um, you know, Taylor Hawkins. You know, it was a really good football play. And I, most of the reason that I see these guys uh, faster than other people is just that I'm a huge uh, college football fan. So I watch a lot of college college ball. So, I mean, I loved Taylor Hawkins at San Diego State. He was on a really good defense, and he was a really solid player. Now, he was a corner at San Diego State. The Niners brought him in last year, and they tried him at safety uh, because he doesn't have great 40 time for a corner. Um, and he put on some bad weight, and he just wasn't moving the same. And they put him on the practice squad, and he learned all year. Well, this year, the first time I saw him in OTAs, I thought, wow, this guy's looking much more explosive, much faster. And now it's carried over into training camp, and he makes a lot of plays against the run. He's a really heady player, but he also can cover. So, um, you know, on paper, he shouldn't make the team. I think they're going to have Hafanga and Gibson, George Odom, and Jair Brown. But um, if Odom, who's missed some time the last week with some injuries, if uh, he, for whatever reason, is not healthy and has to start on the IR, man, Hawkins is nice. I mean, he's really playing fast. He's physical. He's smart. Uh, he can play coverage. Um, I, there's a lot to like there. And I, I really like the Hawkins selection. I was going to actually go with him. And I honestly thought his film this past week went down with it with uh, my co-host. And I thought that that film this past week was pretty darn solid. You know, in a game where I thought when you look back at it, a lot of people were kind of timid. They, they, they linebackers, especially, you know, waited for the runners to come to them. They were running right through the a gap, but linebackers weren't shooting through the gap. Uh, and instead that's, a, that that's what allowed, you know, second, uh, second level runs consistently. But then you see from the back end, I, I was impressed more so with the secondary than the defensive line of the linebackers. You see Taylor Hawkins come up and make some plays. And even on some plays where he doesn't make plays, you see where maybe another player might have made a negative play that impacts his opportunity to make that play. I thought it was good film. And I agree with you. I, I probably don't watch as much college film as you, although I try to for my draft analysis. 
thought he was going to be an intriguing guy to, to play in the safety. I thought him and Quantrez Knight, you know, um, in that nickel safety type of role that the 49ers like to use with that third safety of theirs, I thought that they could fit in that role. And George Odom's the guy who, you know, uh, he, he's the guy who you, you might think about. Um, it, it truly depends on how well Hawkins can play as a special teamer because Odom, that's where his bread and butter is. And I think the 49ers really value special teams, especially these past few years after the hiring of Brian Schneider. And so I think that Hawk uh, or Odom still has a spot on this roster, but depending on his health, would not be surprised to see Hawkins make the 53 after the initial cutdown, or if Odom, you know, if it, if it remains as is. Hawkins should be an early favorite to make the roster in 2024 for sure. Yeah, he, I mean he's 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 just a good player. I mean, um, he went, he's from he's a kid from Palm Springs, went to Palm Springs High, um, and you know was a very decorated player at San Diego State. He was 2021. He was the All Mountain West second team player. Um, he just he's just a really instinctive player, and he does you know he sees it and he doesn't hesitate. So, um, you know, he was a four-year letter winner at Palm Springs High and, and down in Palm Springs. Um, just a really, really good player. And I just thought last year he was kind of at the wrong weight. Um, and, you know, he's, it, it, this year he just looked faster. And now he knows the defense better. He's playing fast. He's playing physical. Uh, Steve Wilkes um, said he's one of his favorite this week. Another guy in the secondary who had a good week and really started to make some steam, Ambry Thomas. What have you seen from him this offseason? Are you buying into the hype? What's kind of your take on him? Well, you know, it's funny. I asked him after practice. I said, hey, you had a great first year. You didn't have a good second year. And can you describe how it went for you? And and he just said, you know, that he got into a good groove in that rookie year. And then going into that second year, he kind of felt like everything was being handed to him. And he didn't work as hard as he should have worked. And um he just basically said that he's got a new new frame of mind this year that, you know, you got a new defense coordinator. Everybody's got a kind of a fresh start. Um, and he knows that there's there's you know, there's opportunity there. Uh, he mentioned how in the offseason he cha- he trained with Mooney Ward and, um, you know, Ambry's Ambry's in some ways he's kind of the prototype. I mean, he's a six foot, 195 pound corner with a lot of speed and a lot of athleticism. And uh, I just think that, you know, it's like he got off to um, a bad start last year and he just couldn't never really recover. But, I mean, he's – I don't see the 49ers cutting him. I mean, when you when you have um, legitimate talent, NFL teams don't cut, um, you know, solid NFL caliber co- cover corners, and that's what he is. So he's got a chance to start outside. I think he'll probably wind up sharing that outside spot with Womack. But I think the presence of both of them out there will ena- will enable um, Diamador Lenore to play inside in the slot. And that's really been the one kind of disappointment is that Isaiah Oliver right. has not really looked like much. And Oliver's due to make $4 bucks. And, and, you know, the bottom line is, you know, when you get to Pittsburgh week one, they got good receivers. And you, and you better, be, better be ready. And I think they're at a point now where – Forget the game plan. Who are the three best corners? And the three best corners, I think, are probably Demo, Lenore, and Charvarius, and then either Womack or Amber. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I think those guys, and, and, and Jameson's climbing that chart as well. So I think you're going to see uh, Lenore in the slot. And I think overall, if Ambry and Womack can handle those outside duties, I think they're going to be better for it. The one thing I really like about this year's team compared to last year's team is I like the cornerback depth. You know, the old uh, coach that I worked with in the Canadian League used to say, hey, you know what the key to pass coverage is? And I'm like, what? And he's like, pass coverage. In other words, you got to have dudes. You know, you got to have guys. I mean, there is no key to pass coverage. you got to have, you got to have guys who can play, who can mirror athletic players up and down the field. Well, look at the Niners. They got Mooney. They got Darrell Luter, who's on the pup list, but he's a baller. You got Ambry. You got Jamison. Those are four right there. You got Lenore. That's five. Womack, sixth. Uh, then you got uh, Quantrez Knight, seven. Isaiah Oliver, eight. So, I mean, you're probably only going to keep seven uh, or maybe six. So, I mean, they got some good, they, they got some good competition there, and it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting. I, I kind of think, um, you know, Quantrez is going to play a significant role um, on this team this year. I don't think people are banking on him either. But, you know, he was a terrific player at UCLA. He was kind of the alpha in their secondary. And, um, you know, he's just, a, he's just a real physical player, but he knows how to cover. And he's versatile. He can play a bunch of different spots. He can play the slot. He can play free safety. Um, he can come up and hit you. He can play corner on the outside if you need him there. So I really like Quantrez quite a bit. I think he's um, a guy who, you know, has, has in, in the, many of these practices, um, he stands out. He really stands out. And, you know, he's a great athlete. He's a kid from Florida, uh, went to East Gadsden High School. And, um, you know, he's just a he, you know, smart guy, was on the academic honor roll. Um, you know, he's, a, he's smart. He's got a great personality, but he's also a really good football player. He's very physical. So um, his his dad Tommy is a is a supporter of his through my channel. I I see Tommy in the in the chat, and um, I think Tommy's boy is going to have a great a great year. I think Quantrez is a hell of a player, man. I really do. And I mean, I like a lot what you said. I mean, this corner depth was a question of mine going into the offseason, not because I didn't trust the talent, but I. I was wondering how quickly can the development occur with some of these guys? Cause it is a younger room and Ambry Thomas was a guy who I thought would be on the outside looking in way back in the way, way back in the off season. Well, it seems like he's starting to, you know, come back into his own self back into that maybe rookie year type of self. And I, I've definitely liked what I've seen out of Womack. I think he looks bigger for sure this year. And I think that he looks the part of an NFL cornerback. And the one thing that I'll say, um, that I kind of read wrong was the value of Steve Wilkes and the impact he'll have on this defense. I think that with Steve Wilkes, these cornerbacks become more valuable than before. One, because they fit 
the mold of that press man corner that Wilkes likes to run with his defense. And this isn't just a new Wilkes thing because Wilkes has been in the collegiate and NFL levels. If you go back to those Missouri days back in 2019, uh, you know, when Wilkes was a defensive coordinator running a three, three, five, that press man coverage still was, you know, was an important facet of his defense. You go back to his Cleveland days in 2021, you know, it's been, it's been there from Arizona to the college levels, to Cleveland, to Carolina, that's been an important uh, an important asset, and it really has allowed him to blitz at a higher rate than normal defensive coordinators. And I don't think that we'll see blitzes to the rate that Wilkes has done in the past, but I do think we'll see an increase. And I think the 49ers can afford it because of the way that Wilkes is, you know, his the scheme works into the mold of what the 49ers have at corner. Because Ambry Thomas is a press man corner. And at times, you know, uh, last year, if you have a press man on one side and then an off boundary on another side, if Thomas is the second corner and he's playing on the off boundary side, well, that's not playing to his skill set as well. And so I think that, you know, Thomas, I think the role has helped him this year. Lenore obviously works well with press man. He, he's not necessarily the fastest corner, but his press man skills with his uh, ability to be physical near the line of scrimmage and not necessarily let up at the line of scrimmage helps him in coverage. And then obviously Charvarius Ward has been a press man corner throughout his career, uh, dating back also to Kansas City under Spags. And so I think that the room itself, Luter, that's a, that's a, that's a guy who, Wilkes probably wanted in the draft, you know, um, that's a guy who they, they definitely uh, targeted. And I think he's a good, uh, he's a good pick as well. I, I think that this room meshes well under what Steve Wilkes wants to do uh, with his defense. And I'm not saying that it's going to be completely different from Tamiko Ryan's. I honestly think it's going to be very similar, but I think the press man mold under Steve Wilkes is going to really truly come to fruition. And I think it's with a good group here. Well, you gotta remember this too. They lost some. They lost some true alphas. I mean, they lost Verrett, Dante Johnson, Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Mosley. They lost some veteran experience on the back end. It's a younger group now, so I like the fact that Wilkes is kind of a hands-on uh, guy. He's he's basically gotten in everybody's face and just said, "Hey, I challenge you to be better." And um, you know, talking to a few of the guys, it's like individually, you know, it's kind of like a mutual fund. You know, it's like you've got. All these guys are performing stocks, and if you can get them all to improve ten percent, now your your you know your portfolio looks that much better. And it's the same kind of thing. I mean, if you can get Quantrez to be better, and Demo to be better, and Ambry to be better, and all these guys get a little bit better, and suddenly you look up and you're like, whoa, as a group, they're they're really good. AJ Parker's played some pretty good ball. Um, you know, I don't didn't know a lot about him, but Parker's look good. Um, they, they've got good numbers in the back end. And then you mentioned press man, you know, tech uh, tendencies, you know, Darrell Luter at South Alabama played nothing but press man for the Jaguars. Right. He was up on the line of scrimmage rerouting guys. And I think he's a significant talent. He's currently on the pup list, but when he gets it rolling, I think people are going to know that name. He's, he's a, he's a big rangy, mature, athletic, long arm dominating corner. Um, and um, I'm eager to see what he looks like. I agree. Before I continue on, I do want to give um, a shout out, first of all, to all of the people in the chat. I see all the comments and appreciate everyone for tuning in. And second, make sure if you guys aren't already subscribed to the one and only Larry Kruger, go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter. Go ahead and subscribe to his channel because he puts a lot of effort into his work. You guys can clearly see it with his analysis and appreciate for uh, appreciate you for coming on as well. 
glad to be here, man. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we put out a lot of videos. I mean, I would say 90% of what we do is Niners, but I also talk a little Giants baseball, a little Warrior basketball. But, uh, yeah, putting out a lot of content, usually uh, trying to do, uh, you know, five to ten streams per week, and I'm trying to do at least, uh, you know, that many videos, if not more, every week. And this month we actually had a million uh, views of our content on our channel for the first time ever. So uh, thanks to all the uh, all the people who support the channel and, uh, you know, love, love uh, you know, chopping it up with other content creators like yourself. Appreciate it. And, yeah, I mean, a million uh, views in a month, that's uh, amazing to hear. Going forward, though, we talked about week one. We talked about the standouts. Let's go on to week two. Just uh, straight up, what are you what are you kind of look, looking for? What are the kind of battles you're 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 trying to keep an eye out for? What are the storylines or different things that you're looking ahead of uh, for tomorrow's game? Well, um, you know, first of all, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see Brock Purdy. Uh, I'd like to see Brock Purdy and Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. Um, you know, I, I think Lance is going to be better in this game. I'd like to see Purdy just get a couple series to shake off the rust. So. So uh, his first, you know, game experience is not in Pittsburgh since last year. Um, I'd like to see more than one or two series from Darnold. Like to me, if you, if you could go two series of Purdy, the rest of the first half with Darnold and the entire second half with Lance or maybe a little, maybe the reverse. Um, I'd love to, love to see that. And as far as the other positions, I'm looking for the rookie tight ends, Braden, Braden Willis and Cameron Latou to kind of show themselves. I'm looking for, you know, um, the back end of the wide receiver core to compete. Chris Conley, Ronnie Bell, Tay Martin, Willie Sneed. I'd love to see Danny Gray, uh, who didn't play in the last game. I'd like to see Danny Gray get in the mix. Um, on defense, I really would love to see Robert Beal Jr. kind of show that he's got, you know, dynamic traits. I saw some of that in practice this week. Um, I'd like to see Taco Charlton in the game. Show me what he's got. And... Um, and then at linebacker, I mean, to me, the Niners have, you know, three outstanding young linebackers in Jalen Graham, D. Winters, and Marcelino McCrary-Ball, and I'd like to see all those three guys dominate, fly around, make plays. Um, you know, I'd like to see all three of those guys make the roster, and I think it's possible. So um, that's what I'm looking for most. most. And then I'd like to see Jake Moody make a couple field goals, and if he can't, um, I don't want to have patience. I want to. I want to. You know, move off of Jake Moody and go to Zane Gonzalez. And if Gonzalez can't get it done, I want to move off of Gonzalez and go to Robbie Gold. This is a team in the inside their Super Bowl window. They don't have time to mess around figuring out which kicker. You know, they can't lose two games in September because Jake Moody's nerves uh, or Zane Gonzalez isn't good enough. So I'd like to see a little bit more urgency on the on the special teams side of this thing and get ready for Pittsburgh by getting your best kicker out there. And who cares if, if Jake Moody is, you think, a long-term answer and he's not ready, then put him on IR and go with Zane Gonzalez or put him on IR and, and trade get Zane Gonzalez and re-sign Robbie Gold. But I would not force Jake Moody to be my week one kicker if he continues to miss kicks in the preseason. No, I agree. And I mean, if you're looking at, you know, the different storylines, obviously Purdy's the big one. And I know a lot of people had a gripe with Purdy not playing last week, thinking, especially, you know, some pointed out Mahomes, some pointed out other other quarterbacks playing. Personally, I didn't care. 
because to me, Purdy's real preseason was the joint practices where he's going up against the Raiders first team defense on, you know, where in, in the game that wasn't going to be the case. So with the joint practices there and Purdy getting as many reps as he did against uh, the Raiders and their defense, I was fine with uh, the way that the 49ers handled their quarterback situation last week. Understanding that those joint practices are valuable and you do have to take what happens with them at face value. But this week, I do want to see Purdy play. There is no joint practices. You do want to get some in, in like live game reps with him and hopefully the entirety of the first team offense for a series or two. And that includes Trent Williams. I think it's it's valuable for Purdy to play with the actual unit that he's going to play with. Don't throw Jalen Moore out there. That, that's going to risk your quarterback, you know, getting hurt if you're throwing in the backups with the starters. If, uh, you know, Denver throws out their own starters, want to see Purdy play a little bit. As for the other battles, I mean, running back is going to continue to be a solid, solid group. You're going to see a lot of carries for the backups. Receivers, the back end of that group is really talented. I think that that's one of the bigger uh, talented groups in terms of the back end. I mean, you talked about Ronnie Bell. I've also thought Chris Conley had a really solid preseason. Uh, Willie Sneed's a guy who's been in this offense. He's a guy who can be, you know, one of those trusted type of veterans. And then the tight ends, that's been the opposite. It's been a disappointing group. Um, but you, you're hoping that some of those back end guys can kind of take off and uh you know latu is one of them uh willis obviously is one of them personally a little higher on willis both out of the draft and recently but you're, you're you want to kind of see some of these younger guys now really take that step forward one game under their tails see what they can do now in the second action absolutely i mean you know um i don't you know it's to me it's it's about the preseason's about you know tuning yourself up for week one staying injury free and getting some answers to you know the back end of your roster taking inventory of your roster so far so good um it's not about wins nobody remembers who wins these games it's not about being competitive it's just about taking inventory staying healthy and fine-tuning and i think the niners have pretty much done that um i would like to see a little bit of of uh, rhythm on offense from all three quarterbacks if they all play. Um, and I'd like to see more continued health. I mean, the, you know, the, the one nice thing about this summer is 49ers have gotten this far. They've had, what, 16, 17 days of uh, practice, and they really have remained relatively healthy. So I think that's, right. that's really the overwhelming positive. How many rookies do you think makes the 53 if you would look at it? How many rookies? Um, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe nine or ten. Uh, I mean, Luder's going to wind up on the PUP. Right. But, I mean, I would have I would have Ronnie Bell, Il Manning, Braden Willis, Robert Beal, D. Winters, Jalen Graham, Luder, unless he's on the pup. Jameson, Jair Brown, and Moody. Got it, got it. I think mine could be a little shorter. Um, while Luter obviously being on pup, I think Beal could be a potential practice squad. They could also try and put him on IR to start the year. We'll see how that goes. But uh, it depends on how well they think he's ready. But I also think you can put some of the, the defensive ends on the practice squad as well, the veterans, Austin Bryant, or some of those guys who you feel could make a contri uh, contribution early on. And keep Beal. That was my initial take on the 53. 
And um, yeah, the one other guy is Il Manning. Don't know if they 49ers think, well, he's undersized. We can probably put him on the practice squad, get away with it, just like they do with Jason Poe, although it's a little bit of a different uh, setting, and uh, try and get away with him. But that that's another good case. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not that every guy that I have on that team um, are guys that I think that wouldn't get through to the practice squad. I mean, um, I'm just saying, based on what I've seen, like Il Manning is, my, in my opinion, um, the second best backup lineman they have. Uh, and then there's some other guys that I haven't really, you know, I, I have, I didn't mention Cameron Latou. I could see him being put on IR just because he's in a bad spot right now where he's dropping the ball, but he's a more talented player than this. And I just think he needs head spinning uh, with all the new, there's just a lot that goes into playing tight end in this offense. And I just think his head is spinning. And because of it, he's not concentrating on the basics, which is catch the football. And so I think he's a whole lot better than what he's demonstrated thus far. A couple other guys that have kind of flashed to me that I really like. I really like Isaiah Winstead. Now, he doesn't separate, he's not, but he's a big, strong receiver who caught 90 balls for ECU last year. And there's some things that I really like about, about Winstead. Kalen Laburn, I really like him a lot, but I think he's probably going to the practice squad. Jack Coletto, I think, is maybe their future starter at fullback. But um, I think he might be either a trade candidate or – um, you know, maybe they'll he can sneak through to the practice squad. Wagey, I think, gets through to the practice squad. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's some guys there that you know that are are that I there's a couple other rookies I could see on the practice squad in addition to those that I named. No, definitely. Last one though for you, and it's a tough one. But who are those guys on the bubble right now that you're looking to you're looking at for week two, trying to see can they really improve their stock? Who do you kind of think is on the in that position at the moment? Well, I mean, there's a lot of guys on the bubble. I mean, I would say, you know, at tight end, Charlie Warner, Ross Dwelly, Cameron Latou, Fumagalli. I mean, I think Willis is going to be there. Kittle's going to be there. But those other guys may be battling for one spot. I think that's a spot to watch. Um, as far as other guys in the bubble, I think at linebacker, you know, I mean, I, I think they're going to keep at least five, maybe six Warner and Greenlaw, uh, and then McCrary ball and winters and Graham, the two rookies. But what does that mean? That means that Curtis Robinson, Flanagan fouls, Oren Burks. I think these guys could all be battling for one spot. I think that's, that's going to be a very competitive situation. And then at safety, you know, if, if, or in Nickelback, I should say, if um, if Isaiah Oliver has another bad game, I mean, he's on the bubble. He's on the bubble right now. I mean, it's just, you know, you've got other guys. They, You know, they could play A.G. Parker there. They could play Quantrez Knight there. They could play Demo Lenore there. They can play just Sean Jameson there. You know, they've got other guys they can go with. And so I would say Isaiah Oliver is very much on the bubble. Yeah, I, I actually agree. And this was going to be my next question. Because I honestly think there is a chance, despite his two point two years, six point eight million dollar contract, that Isaiah Oliver gets cut. What do you think about that? Oh, I think it's very likely. I mean, not very likely, but very possible. Um, he, you know, he didn't play well in the Raider game. Um, he gave they gave him a four million dollar is it four million dollar guarantee something like that. All right, I forget exactly I what the guarantee. Guarantee at signing, I know, is two point nine. It might have been four in total. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, um, he's coming off his best year, and um, 
but they've got other options. And you got to remember this. It's like, this is the, also the Trey Lance debate is like, do you keep Trey Lance? If he loses out to Sam Darnold as a $9 million third string quarterback, most people would say yes. But then when you look ahead down the road to the 49ers 2020 cap situation, yeah, there's all kinds of ways they can deal with it between now and then, but I think they'd like to roll over some of their some of their uh, cap savings this year to next year so they could retain a lot of their guys. And anybody who makes money, um, who is battling somebody who doesn't make money, um, right. I think could be in a tough spot. For example, uh, let's go through some of those. I think Juwan Jennings, as much as I think Jennings is a good player and a key player for them, um, He's probably in his, he's, he's, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. They're probably not going to bring him back. Um, I would say that there's a very good likelihood that, you know, if it's close between him and Chris Conley, Ronnie Bell, Tay Martin, they may go for Conley, Bell, or Martin over Jawan, especially if a team like Tennessee comes calling, offering a fifth or sixth round pick after losing Traylon Burks. I mean, Jawan Jennings is a, is a celebrity in the state of Tennessee. So um, that's that's one that I think is interesting. Um, obviously, Lance, are they going to keep a $9 million third-string quarterback when the going rate for third-string quarterbacks is $1 million and they've got Brandon Allen already sitting there signed to a million-dollar contract? So, I mean, I think one of the things that we'd be naive if we didn't include the fact that there's a possibility of a Trey Lance trade uh, between now and cut-down day. And then... Um, you know, on the other side of the ball, I mean, you got to look at Isaiah Oliver. I mean, you know, Quantrez Knight and these young DBs they have are, are cheaper than Isaiah Oliver. So if they, if it's an even deal, they, you know, Quantrez may beat them out and the Niners could have some cap savings there. So anybody who's making, and, and then Oren Burks, you know, Oren Burks is a, is makes four and a half million dollars and the Niners could save some money on the cap by going with Graham and Winters and Marcelino and Curtis Robinson, let's say, or Flanagan Fowles over Oren Burks. And I think Oren Burks might fetch a day three pick in a trade. So, you know, I, to me, I think there's one thing that's really clear. Niners have a really deep roster. They've got some players that are better than the kind of players that you would typically cut, um, but they may not make the roster. So, you know, what does that mean? I, I think there's going to be a number of small trades between now and the cutdown. And if I had to put my, you know, over-under prediction on it, I'll predict there'll be, you know, 2.5 trades as the over-under number, and I'd go over. I think there's going to be, a, a little, a, you know, a few moves that net the 49ers day three picks or more. And I think that's a good case. In my first pre, uh, like in my first 53-man roster prediction, which was, I believe, two weeks ago now, I had two trades in there, and one was a running back, Elijah Mitchell, and the other was a linebacker. Um, at the moment, I don't think Elijah Mitchell gets traded compared to as I initially thought. I think they, they are comfortable keeping those four really talented running backs and then Laybourne on the practice squad. At least it seems like it after signing McNichols and then kind of hiding Laybourne in a, in a way um, from preseason action. But I, I, I genuinely do think a linebacker, especially if they believe Warren Burks, you know, they don't want to roster that type of uh, cap hit. He could be a trade candidate. Curtis Robinson, DFF, with a strong preseason that's uh, not necessarily been there so far. They could be trade candidates. Isaiah Oliver, if a team needs a starting nickel corner, could be a potential trade candidate despite being signed this offseason. 
think that there are a lot of definitely potential trade candidates, and that comes with Zane, a team that Zane Gonzalez. Oh, Zane, Zane, definitely. I mean, a I mean, very Zane's been good. Deal. Zane's been good. Like, yeah. if you watch Zane. I'd be totally comfortable based on what I've seen in practice going with Zane Gonzalez as the number one kicker. So what, what does that mean? That means that there's prob Zane probably could be the number one kicker on a half dozen teams in the league right now. I think it's, um, that was a very nice trade. I think the four diners might be able to get a seventh round pick for Zane Gonzalez, uh, you know, at the end of the month here when they cut this thing down. And he kicked 91% of his kicks back in 2021 before the injury with Carolina in 22, he, he he has some value. We'll see if they they can uh, they're able to recoup that some of that value. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, and you know, so th- they're in an interesting spot, and I just think that people should have kind of an open mind about the cut down. You also got to remember this, you know, everything in the NFL. It's it's you know, you, you sign free agents, then you have then you have your draft, then you sign college free agents, and then everybody kind of goes and works out and figures out. Well, guess what happens? You know, there's some positions where you drafted a guy, you signed a free agent, and both those guys that you added don't do anything, and you still have a need. And then there's other situations where you sign a free agent, and he fills the need, and then you followed it up with a couple picks in the draft, and now you got a surplus. So it's just there are teams. The Niners have a surplus of linebackers. They've got a surplus of receivers. They've got a surplus of running backs. They've got a, you know, they've got a couple areas with surplus of kickers, surplus of quarterbacks. Um, and they're, and yet they, they could use a third, third tackle and they could really use some defensive end help. And, um, you know, so it, it they're, they may be able to find a match in a trade with some other team that has a surplus at their positions of need. Yeah, I, I do agree. And I mean, that's the, when we talked earlier, we talked about how the 49ers don't have as much depth at certain positions, but they do have an abundance at others, and that will certainly come handy come you know that August 30th cutdown date. And I think it's also a lot more chaotic this year compared to past years because you now just go from 90 to 53. It all happens at once rather than the gradual cutdown period where teams kind of have a, a, a at least a solid sense of their finalized roster by the end of that cutdown date. It all happens at once now, and I think that that will provide more chaos not only in the waiver market but also on the trade market as well. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. But, Larry, that is all I have for you today. I appreciate all your insight, and thank you for coming on the show. Any last comments before we head on out of here today? Well, no, I'm just going to say, hey, congratulations on the channel and, and the things that you're doing, and uh, keep it rolling, man. It's it's uh, inspiring, and and I, I love reading your stuff on 49er Web Zone. I, I would encourage everybody to do the same. I've got uh, Niners Nation and 49er Web Zone kind of in bookmarked on my uh, on my phone, and you know I go to camp every practice, and I sit there. I get there, you know, sometimes an hour, hour and a half early, and I'll you know my on my to do list is to kind of hit. 49er web zone hit Niners nation, uh, you know, Google 49ers, see what stories are out there, search Twitter. And a lot of times, um, you know, you, you, you give me ideas with different articles you're writing. So keep up the great work, man. Hey, I really appreciate that it means a lot and really good stuff as well with your channel. It's been a uh, great to see the growth there. And obviously you're doing really well for yourself now, Larry, as always, I appreciate you. Those in the chat, thank you guys so much for your comments, for your discourse, and for your support. We'll be back soon. Game tomorrow, I will be there, and then we'll be back on Sunday with the show.
Until then, see you next time.